Hey guys and gals, welcome to another episode of the Man Talks podcast, where we are dedicated to building better men through conversation, connection, and community. My name is Roger Nairn. And I'm Connor Beaton. This podcast brings together the best thought leaders, teachers, and extraordinary individuals to teach and mentor you on how to be a top performer in life, love, and business. Imagine having experienced mentors with decades of wisdom delivered right to your ears. On this podcast, we'll talk about purpose, legacy, influence, love, sex, success, and so much more. Don't forget to leave us a review, subscribe, and join the thousands of other changemakers in our community on Facebook or go to www.mantalks.com. So let's bring on today's guest, Dr. Corey Hawley. Dr. Holly promotes a practical lifestyle philosophy of do no harm and stay out of harm's way. He integrates fitness and nutrition into dietary supplements as a reliable science and therapy for natural healing and achieving optimum health. But Dr. Holly believes the struggle within us is by far the greatest war to overcome. Achieve peace within first is this mandate. Charity begins at home and home is where the heart is. Optimize personal health first, then spend your time and energy trying to save the world. He's the author of the Encyclopedia of Sport Nutrition, and he's the founder of the Corey Holly Institute. He's full of energy, full of uh, knowledge, super excited to uh, bring him to our community because I think he is incredibly valuable and incredibly powerful. So let's bring on Dr. Corey Holly. Corey, can you maybe give the audience a bit of a, a, a little bit of context about sort of uh, who you are and what you do and, 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 and why you do it? Well, my name is Corey Hawley. I manage an online institute which serves as a functional distribution center and school for courses that I have published on the topic of sports nutrition, wellness, fitness, health, everything that relates to what it takes to be well for life in this world. I have an education background in biochemistry, physiology, physics, chemistry, biology, psychology, philosophy. So everything's grounded in science. Uh, You might say I'm a bit of a materialist or a reductionist. I'm an objectivist. I'm a philosopher. I'm a scientist. So how I see myself is how I project myself, and ultimately my goal is to awaken people to the fact that they are worth putting the time and energy into to be well, because I can't, through my own experience of 59 years, come up with anything more important than an individual's personal health. That's it. That's where it stops and begins. Love that. And Corey... You know, one of the questions that we always ask our guests is if they can share with us a a defining moment for them in their lives. And I'm wondering if you can share something that that you think, you know, defines who you are. But also, I'm curious how that, you know, uh, rolled itself into what you do today. I think I fell in love with myself at a very young age. And then I allowed myself to be deceived by the world, by religion, by individuals by people, by society, and I bought into it. I didn't realize at the time that I was involved in a crisis of consciousness that uh, would lead to uh, personal misery, devastation, and the further away I got from being who I was. Like, by nature, 
I would say six or seven. I'm not a violent person. I detest violence in sport, in life, on the planet, all war. That's why I work in the field of natural medicine. But I was able to retrieve what I was by deleting and coming to terms with the box that I had, you know, essentially fallen into and allowed to poison my mind. So I'm an atheist, I'm an objectivist, and I think that almost everything that is going on today that leads to the disruption of, of our health is contrived by men for the sole purpose of generating profit, which is on an opposite spectrum from, from what health really is all about, including medicine and healthcare. So ultimately, what I was able to also discover about myself is that I am absolutely 100% unemployable. <laughs> Any form of employment to me is a form of slavery. Whether it's uh, acceptable to people or not, it's not acceptable to me. So to work for somebody instead of myself, to not project my inner perception of life and reality is a compromise. So I won't de uh, dedicate my life to someone else's end. I see that as futile and non-fulfilling. So I exist to fulfill myself. I am solely dedicated to my own existence, first and foremost, above everything and everybody. And that is why I personally enjoy excellent health, because I put the time and energy that it takes to do that instead of trying to save the whales which I see in people all around me. They're trying to do everything for everyone else except themselves. And essentially, they've been convinced that they're not worth saving and that they should sacrifice. In the words of Ayn Rand, the world is perishing in an orgy of self-sacrifice. Mm, love that. You know, for the guys out there um, that have never heard of, of Corey before, you know, Connor and I... Uh, first saw Corey speak recently at an event here uh, in Vancouver called the Superhuman Summit, which is put on by a couple friends of the podcast, um, the Coppin brothers and social concierge and Jordan Coleman. And what struck us about Dr. Holly's talk was that he said something that totally shook me to my core. And that is that there's this concept of, of living hard and dying soft. And, and the reality is that men in particular are typically living soft and dying hard. And Corey, I'm wondering if you can kind of share with us what you meant by that. Well, most people today, and I'll, and I'll refer to them as a collective, and I'm a world traveler. So when I say most people, I have to sort of confine it to North America because we don't live like other people on the other side. You know, three billion people on the planet live without electricity, and that to me is is a tough life, comparatively speaking. So here we've got a soft, cushy life, and it's it seems as if, at least through observation, that most people um, are dedicated to doing anything except physical work, and so they drive instead of walk, and they're unaware of the multiple benefits of walking, essentially that relate to, you know, the brain. And heart and function. But that's just one of many examples. So living hard, I, I borrow from the athletic model because my paradigm is that life is a sport and we're all athletes engaged in it. It's in our DNA. I use the evolutionary model. So if you look at that model and sort of come up with an idea of what it would be like to live 
without all of the labor-saving devices. Essentially, we evolved over time with the absolute essential need to acquire food. And the only way that we could do that was through physical expenditure of energy and using our cunning and our brain, which is our greatest weapon and strength. Not our physical bodies, because one-on-one, I'm not going to take on a tiger or go into the bush without a weapon. So my idea then would be that uh, to simulate the values associated with our former state, which are significantly superior to what we have today physically. Physically, we're losing our muscle, we're losing our physical capacity to perform. And like the athlete, because I'm a hammer thrower, and I've been an athlete all of my life. I've never not been an athlete. So I know what it takes to show up, to do the work, to do the grunt work behind the scenes. And in my discussion, I was talking about how important that is. If health is your primary goal, if you have a health consciousness and you realize its significance, answer this question. Do you want to be sick? Do you want to live in misery and pain? Do you want to be obese and inflamed? No, obviously not. So what does it take not to do that? Well, what does it take for an athlete to get really good at the sport? He just shows up and plays the game? No. That's part of it, but it's insignificant compared to the amount of practice time and effort and energy that it takes to become excellent in the sport. So living hard means that you incorporate an element of toughness in your life on a physical level. And today we can control it. Like we can go to the gym for an hour, not 24 hours, and generate a significant amount of value. Because we have science, we have exercise physiology, we understand the body, the framework, the internal chemistry, how bodies respond to stress. So we have the advantage of knowledge. And then what we do is condense this into a paradigm where we understand that, like the Vulcans, a lot of people don't know, and Spock happens to be one of my fantasy heroes, a man of logic. But they don't know that the Vulcans also mastered athletic excellence. They had to because a a, a 100% devotion to the mind, sitting in a chair without any movement, will rot the mind and the body. That's how we're designed, whether you like it or not. So if you ignore entropy, radiation, oxidation... If you ignore the effects of gravity, if you, if you understand what these are and you want to be alive and well for your entire life and have a fantastic health span and be productive to the day that you terminate, then incorporate this level of toughness, this physical level of training and exercise and sport so that you don't die a slow, miserable death. I could have asked the audience, how many people in the audience at the superhuman discussion talk, how many of you want to end up in a nursing home in diapers? And of course, nobody would put their hand up. But statistically, 80% of everyone in that room will end up that way. Hmm. And that's what the statistics and the the math uh, reveals. So I work in a field where people at my age have lost it. They have addictions. They, can't, they say they can't control themselves because they don't realize their own power. But they're physically inept. They haven't trained, worked out. They've lost the capacity to perform. And, of course, along with that comes disease, diabetes, obesity, depression, insomnia, 
cancer, heart disease. It's all built in to this model of softness. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a really interesting, I mean, I really loved your talk and you had so many, so many great points. And I just love this idea of, you know, uh, living hard and dying soft as opposed to living soft and dying hard. And so I, I was hoping that we could unpack this a little bit more because you had a great quote um, that I wrote down from Socrates, which was, no man has the right to be an amateur in the matter of physical training. It is a shame for a man to grow old without seeing the beauty and strength of which his body is capable. And so I was hoping that we could dig into this in a, in a sort of deeper level and and for you to share some of the, you know, since you have not only the sort of philosophical and, and stoic and mental side of things, but you have the very physical uh, rigors and training, what are some of the ways in which, you know, men and and women who are out there listening to this podcast can start, you know, quote unquote, living a bit harder? Like what, what are some of the things that we can do if, you know, some of the people that are listening are working at a desk 40 hours a week or, um, you know, maybe don't have the same level of, of freedom as, as maybe an entrepreneur would have. So what, what are some of the things that they can do that are actionable? Well, in the spirit of Aristotelian logic, you have to accept what you are. You're an organism on the planet. You have to come to terms with where you are and what you are first Never mind everything that's contrived by humanity and assigned to you by someone else. Just logically, what are you? What kind of an organism? That's why you have to study some science. If you're ignorant on matters that relate to your existence, you're going to struggle your entire life. And once you overcome your own personal level of ignorance by studying science and what we know today about what's real, about what's true, then you have an opportunity to acknowledge that and say, okay, what am I going to do with my lot in life? I'm an organism. What kind of an organism? Okay, so that's how you start. It's very simple. You know, what I love about Aristotle, he said, if you're going to ask me a question like, what kind of a man are you? I'm going to ask you back, well, what do you mean by man? You have to reduce everything to its purest essence. And I don't think a lot of people are doing that because our minds are engineered by the society that we're born into and by the planet. Very few people have anything genuine going on that they're pursuing. So if you look at what's inevitable as a consequence of avoiding the work that's required to facilitate your own purpose and create a physical body that can withstand stress, if you look at that and you accept that, then you have to ask yourself, is that what I want? Like, again, it gets back to the athlete. If you want to achieve a certain value in a sport, you can't do it unless you're prepared to do the work that's associated with its achievement. That's pure logic. So, for example, uh, you can't remain well if you do nothing to manage your health. That's an impossibility in this day and age because we're too inactive and inactivity is the new smoking. Inactivity equates to premature death and a long life of suffering. You know, one of my friends said that people today are, you know, living short and dying long. Mm. And, and so when I was very young, I had no father. And so my grandfather, by default, became my surrogate father. And I didn't have the best kind of relationship that I tried to be with my own children with him. But at least he gave me a sense of having someone to connect to and look up to. Well, he died very young, 
and suddenly, and I didn't understand it. I was quite young. Later, I would learn why he died. He smoked. He was inactive. He was stressed out. He was unhappily married. He worked in a job that brutalized him. Now, you don't understand these things when you're 9 or 10 years old. But eventually, if you ask questions and you're curious and you want to know the answers, you dig and you find out. Why did my grandfather die? It's because he didn't take care of himself. And so, of course, typically, you know, he had heart disease and cancer. And so when I was initially exposed to conventional medicine, they told me that I had all of these risks because of my grandfather. And that's not true now. We know about genetics and epigenetics and nutrigenomics. We know that the environment plays more of a role in your outcome than anything connected to a previous state or ancestor or father. I can do things, and that's what I learned by becoming a naturopath, by studying natural medicine. I learned that it was possible for me to change the outcome of my life and to be something different than my brother's and my sisters, and anyone else in my family, because none of them really are involved with health. And there's reasons for that. But Corey, what, what, what do we do in, in a case where, I mean, it seems to me that a lot of these issues around our health aren't really going to shock ourselves and, and you know enough to to change unless something really bad happens now for example my my father just had a heart attack in everybody else's eyes including himself he was the healthiest person they could possibly imagine 65 years old just climbed uh, mount kilimanjaro eats amazingly well exercises 4 days a week and plays golf the other days uh, of the week but had a heart attack he had a mild one and he's fine but you know he later learned that it was genetics um and a Essentially, it was literally just a matter of time. What are some of the warning signs, I guess, for some of these impending health issues that we can keep an eye on and, and, and keep our ears open to without things getting catastrophic? Well, number one, measure your heart rate variability. That was spoken to at the event, the superhuman. Mm -hmm. If your resting heart rate is high and your maximum heart rate is low, you're in trouble. You're on the edge of death. Two, measure performance, flexibility, muscle strength, muscle endurance, aerobic capacity. Now, I can't speak to your father or grandfather, but in Newtonian physics and in naturopathic medicine, it's all about cause, causality, not symptoms. And calculated, detailed investigation of people, which no one has any idea of. You see, when someone dies like that, they say, well, look at him. He lived this way and he died. We don't know why he died. Yes, and you also don't know why you had a flu last Thursday or why you get a cold or why you feel the way you do. You don't know. You know, when anyone is sick anytime, they will not know why they're sick. They just experience it and then everyone says, well, this is why you're sick or this is why you're sick. But no one truly knows. We haven't done the investigative work. We don't really have a handle on, on a molecular level of what's going on. And we certainly take nutrition for granted. We think that we can eat anything and that we just consume it and burn it off. And that's false. That's absolutely untrue. Completely unlike the evolutionary model where there's no refined sugar, white flour, refined foods, damaged food. Didn't exist. So you can imagine it, a human being, you know, average height, maybe six foot, six foot two, strong, lean, vibrant, a hunter. That is our natural state. Do I see that today as a, as a common state? Absolutely not. So I think also our gene pool has been derided and reduced in quality 
because humans proliferate without any requirement to meet. We just reproduce. And in doing so, you know, we sort of lose touch in many ways today with what is really truly important. So again, you know, the center of my mind, my objective is health. Health is just a state. What do I mean by health? Optimum health, the capacity to perform, the capacity to set goals and achieve them, the capacity to see yourself as you truly are, a free agent, a sentient being. No one owns me, okay? No one on this planet owns me. I'm a product of evolution, which I want to and need to understand. And once I get who and what I am, then I realize that the, the most logical thing in the world is to stay well. Otherwise, I can't achieve my goals. I become a liability for everyone in my family. Imagine if I became a liability at a young age. How could I sustain my children and my grandchildren and everyone I love and care about? So instead of focusing on everyone else around you, you've got to bring it all inside and do the work that it takes to be well. And then once you're in that position of strength, then you can go out and do the good work. That's the logic that I'm motivated by. Nice. Uh, I mean, I, I love that. I love the logic and I, I really appreciate the insight in around, you know, even if you are, you and you consider yourself to be, you know, a, an extremely intelligent person, your mind and your brain is still housed in a body and how you take care of that body is going to, you know, really determine how you take care of your, your mind and your brain. So, um, you know, I think that there's a couple different avenues that we could go down in terms of preventative measures. But I'm curious if you have a personal routine or, you know, when you work with people and, and train them, if you, you know, have a routine that you that you've built for them, uh, or how often you you recommend that people get out and be active, um, you know, outside of going for walks every day and that kind of stuff, like, how, how often should they be you know, very physically active to get that heart rate variability on the right on the right track. Well, I wrote a book called Five Steps to Health. So I work out five days a week in the gym. That gym workout consists of a, a warm up and then weight training, a specific part of the body like legs, back, chest. Over the course of the week, you want to hit every body part, leave no st- stone unturned. That's followed by core training. That's followed by cardio usually interval training, you just blast it and get that heart rate up high. My heart rate is, my resting heart rate in the morning is 48. Yesterday, I brought my heart rate up to 180. That, that should kill me according to, you know, conservative data, but it's not. It's actually putting me in a state that's highly functional. And that's the idea of health. Health is not the absence of disease. It is the presence of function. And how do you know if you can function? By measuring it. Then we get involved in sport for love and joy. That's what I was talking about at the talk. Okay, so training for life is a means to an end so that you can function in life. I love to travel around the world. I need to be well and strong and physically able. There's a lot of people that can't do that in my age. I'm 59. So they've lost the capacity to withstand stress. Now, maybe a number of your listeners are young people. Like my son, he's 31, or I have a daughter, 24, and another daughter, 33. Maybe they're, they're younger, and they think they're going to live forever. They think it's never going to happen to them. Well, I can tell you that eight of my best friends are dead in the same age as me. They never even made it to 60 or 50. Heart attacks, 
obesity, drug addiction, suicide. And these are all great athletes in university. But what happened was they get out into the real world and they forget who they are and what is important. And they get caught up in a lot of meaningless bullshit, from my point of view, and lose perspective on what is really important. So it, it, again, it's the physical capacity of a human is unknown to most people. They think they can't do something like go up a flight of stairs because they've lost the capacity to do something even as simple as that. You give me that individual and their heart and their willingness, and in six months, I'll have them blasting up to the top of the Calgary Tower and down as if it means nothing to them. And they are going to also, as a consequence of that capacity, experience this fearfulness that is enveloped by the capacity that you develop yourself in the training. You see, non-athletes don't realize what happens in the mind of an individual when he takes on his own power and then moves forward and does the physical work and the mental work of research and study because you need to know what to do. And you need a mentor. You need people that you can rely on, count on. And believe me, there's not a lot of people out there that are not motivated by money as opposed to motivated for something beyond money and far more significant and important, like doing a good work or helping somebody or looking after yourself. So the physical component has to become, like for me, training is an anchor. I started weight training at age 12. And when I was looking through the information, you know, one of the questions is, when did you become a man? And I thought about that. And when did you realize that? I, as a child, uh, worshipped Superman. And I, I loved his physique, but I loved his morality. He you were speaking would... Connor's language. Oh, right on, man. <laughs> so, yeah, I got three heroes, Superman, Spock, and Howard Rourke from the uh, book, Ayn Rand's book, Fountainhead and the movie. So Superman becomes my first hero. And then at the back of the Superman comic, I think I'm maybe five or six, there's this ad for a concept where you can uh, build yourself up. It's called dynamic tension. And the, uh, the comic was uh, really essentially about uh, a skinny guy that gets sand kicked in his face by the bully and steals the girl. And that idea of getting sand kicked in my face was unacceptable, was unconscionable in my brain. So that's what kind of motivated me initially because I'm a heterosexual male and I accept my state by nature and I also accept everyone else's state and I wish that many people would accept their own state instead of reject it or struggle with it. Freedom, relatively speaking, is to accept who and what you are and to embrace it on every possible conceivable level. So then I connect with muscle and strength and power, but more significantly, his ability to speak the truth and not to kill for the sake of it. And of course, we all know that Superman doesn't kill the criminal where the world today wants us to wipe out and destroy the enemy. He's got something bigger and far deeper in his mind going on. And I also related to the fact that he... You know, it was a stranger in a world that completely rejects him, even though he wants to do good. And that's how I've lived my whole life. I have simply wanted to be good and enjoy life and be happy and pursue my own career and my own magnitude of thought. And yet, on every possible conceivable level, I've had people 
you know, parents and society and teachers and governments trying to shove their crap down my throat and conceive in in me their persona of what I should be. And so I've I've simply learned to reject that. And then going back to what we talked about originally, what are you left with? You're left with yourself and who and what you are. And if you can't accept that, if you can't see that, it's very difficult to go out into the world and be relatively free. You know, we're, we're limited by the conditions of reality, but the tyranny of men is what I want freedom from, the tyranny of men. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot um, in there. I think that we've kind of touched on the, on the physical side, and I think that you've given some really good insight into you know, how people out there can take care of their physical body. And I, I, love, the, I love that you talked about you know, getting involved in sports that you love and, and being active in those areas because that's just going to you know, naturally want to pull you out of, you know, out of the office and off of the couch. But I was hoping that we could kind of shift a little bit into, you know, into, the, into the food side of things because I know that that's an extremely, extremely important part. And um, you know, at, the, at, at the summit, one of the big things that is being talked about now and has been talked about for the last few years in or around diet is this idea of you know, being genetically compatible and um, or or being compa- you know having a diet that's compatible with you know with your blood type and and what foods to avoid and what foods to attract and so I'm I just wanted to throw that out there to you and get your insight onto you know what types of foods do you think people should be eating does it need to be genetically compatible should people be you know eating for their blood type and and what's your insight on that Well, that's certainly what my institute. And my published work is really all about, you know, fitness comes into it, certainly, because when you move your requirements for micronutrients and macronutrients change as opposed to being sedentary. But yeah, I look at the evolutionary model and I think, okay, so what created the genome that I currently possess? Was it refined, processed, dead, sterilized food? Absolutely not. If it was, our species would have been terminated long ago. So we're built out of an environment that provided us with what we require to survive and thrive, namely vitamins and minerals in in amounts that exceed what we're currently consuming. And we understand the biological effect of sucrose and fructose. We know that it's destructive and induces pathology. We know that agriculture is a corruption of man. It's a creation based on a perception of change. So for millions of years, we evolve from, you know, hominids and and various forms of homo sapiens to to get to where we are now. But, you know, maybe eight to 10,000 years ago, we begin to grow things. We stop hunting. We stop gathering. And from my take on this is that the Phoenicians, the Mesopotamians, the Egyptians, the Romans, the the Greeks, if you add them all up collectively, they do not compare to the length of time that the Plains American Indians survived on the Plains for maybe six to 10,000 and some say much longer. Okay. As a hunting gathering species, that is what true sustainability is. No destruction of the environment, no destruction of your species. Right now, we're involved in a sixth extension event, extinction event as a species. We're destroying our planet and ourselves. So you look at these models and say, okay, what is the best way to live for sustainability? And on a personal level, never mind the planet, 
Okay, the planet's going to be just fine without us when we terminate, if we do. It's going to, you know, recover and continue on and, and, and all the rest of you study cosmology, you get these facts. Okay, so right now what's important is my ability to stay alive and thrive on a personal level. Never mind the family, never mind my brothers, sisters, never mind my children. Me first. That is the mistake that most people are making. They are not managing themselves well, and they excuse themselves from that requirement and make themselves look good or do it without thinking about it unconsciously because that is what the world demands from us. So food is absolutely critical to the welfare of any organism, but we're not flies, we're humans. So what do humans require? I've spent 40 years of my life studying. What does a human being require to thrive and stay alive? What nutrients? What amounts? What kinds of food? So I advocate this as a paradigm. Whole, natural, real, fresh food. It's not fancy. It's not contrived. It's not factory food. It's everything but that. It's just a mixed omnivorous diet because humans are omnivores. We're not vegans. If you ask me, Corey, are you a vegan? No, I say I'm a human. And humans biologically are declassified as omnivores because that's what we are. Just travel around the world and study science. Now, you can choose to eat anything you want. You can live on toothpaste if you like. And people are eating things today that are ruining themselves without even being aware of it. This is where education comes in at a young age from birth. It's hard for people when they're older to move away from the things they find pleasure in. And if you don't look at reality, like that's why I like, say, a personal a fitness assessment. There's, there's so many people that are afraid of reality, they won't step on a scale and, and, and discover what their body composition is. Never mind their weight, which is the effect of gravity on their mass. What are you made out of internally? Mm. Percentage of body fat. And is it functional? So the relationship between fitness and nutrition is absolutely critical to understand. Going back again in time, the original model is an active, functional human that spends most of his time expending energy to derive food from the environment of which grew itself in an environment that conditioned itself to sustain itself. And then when we consume those foods, which we've lost touch with because, you know, we export and import foods from all over the world now, we kind of lost touch with what I call, what kind of a relationship do you have with food? And Corey, do you subscribe to this idea that you should eat to your blood type? Yes, in part. In module five of my program, I look at 12 classical body typing systems, and certainly that's one of them. And so, you know, the, the research that uh, brought that to mind is based on evidence. But it doesn't – see, one thing about humans you have to, we, we have to understand is this idea in naturopathic medicine of bio, biochemical individuality. We're not all put together the same way. We have a similar genome, but we have these SNPs, these single nucleo poly, polymorphisms that make us unique. You know, I'm a certain height and look a certain way, and everyone else is different on the planet, but we're all human. So my biological requirements is something that I have to come to terms with and discover what they are. I call it the CHI prime directive. Supply your biological demand. So what is your blood type? 
what is your functional type, your metabolic type, your Ayurvedic type, your whether or not you have a uh, uh, an autonomic nervous system that is dominated by parasympathetic and, and sympathetic. I, I go into these in detail as a construct of which we draw conclusions from and then put them to the test because there's no absolute way to do it for everyone. Certainly, nobody should follow the Canada Food Guide or the My Food Blade. Those are wacko constructs that are, uh, you know, generated to to support the the industries that provide the food to our society. Hmm. They're way off base. So I do not promote uh, an agricultural-based diet in the, in the sense of grains. I've seen too many people too long benefit in, in many multiple ways when they delete wheat, when they eliminate grains. And instead of that, what we do is look at the hunting-gathering diet, the paleo diet, the keto-adaptive diet, whatever you want to call it. I don't usually label myself, but I want a, a, a type of food base that's clean and functional, derived from both plants and animals, That and it's, it's only a means to an end. Food is, first and foremost, not about taste or culinary pleasure. It's a biological substance that sustains us with energy, micronutrients, which are vitamins, minerals, and enzymes, and macronutrients. And humans, most people don't know that humans have no biological requirement for carbohydrates, zero. Mm. We do not ever need to consume glucose in our diet. Our brains make it from amino acids, it's called gluconeogenesis, and a high-fat diet derived, again, from whole foods, combined with a moderate amount of protein, and a limited amount of carbohydrate, I think from what I've seen and gathered and investigated now, is the best approach that will heal everyone, literally, without exception, of almost all of the food addictions and the troubles that people experience that they have no idea are related to what they're eating and also what's eating them. Yeah, it's a really good way. Of, it's a really good way of putting it. I, 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 love, I love that. I think what what they're eating and what's eating them i feel like that's uh that's tweetable um <laughs> anyway just to kind of continue the conversation moving forward uh, cuz we'll we'll probably need to start wrapping up here soon and I, I i feel like both roger and i had so so many questions in and around the you know the fitness side the food side and then and then the mental side um you know one of the things that you that you said was courage is the ability to overcome yourself and so this is this is the personal courage. So, you know, in our culture, in our society today, what do you think is some of the biggest mental blockages that people are facing in terms of taking care of their physical, uh, in, in terms of taking care of their physical health? Well, they're simply afraid of reality. So they create a bubble and escape ever considering or thinking about it. The reality of their own death and demise, which is not clearly understood, and it should. It should be the first thing that children learn. They do in third world countries because it's around them and it's self-evident. But here, I don't know if you've ever been to a funeral, and I have. You want to see some pretty strange, weird behavior in humans? Go to a funeral and watch how they behave. Mm. Now, I think all religion, and I've investigated pretty much all of them by going to the countries of their origin and studying their books, I think it's all made up. It's an invention. None of it's real. So we have to eliminate that. And once we swim through that and, and duck that wave. Now what are we left with? Again, it comes back to reality. So what am I afraid of? Well, what is fear? So we, we need to study emotions. And if you do study emotions from an evolutionary point of view, 
you realize that they are consequences of the brain's capacity to process reality. But to rely on emotions to motivate you to take action when, it, when it's uh, opposed to reality and logic is, is futile and ridiculous. So here's a paradigm. You know, the movie, The Poseidon Adventure. Okay, so the ship flips over and now you've got people at the bottom of the ship close to the ocean's edge, separated only by uh, a veer of glass. Okay, and then you've got the, uh, the first mate who's telling everyone just to stay there and wait for the rescue. But then you've got one individual who stands out, who instead of quivering in fear says, I'm going to use my brain. I'm going to rely on logic. And then he says, all of you, you're all going to die if you stay here because that glass that you're standing on right now is not designed to withstand the pressure of the ocean at this depth. Pure logic. So he says, I don't know if I'm going to make it out, but I'm going to try. I know that I'm not going to stay here because this is absolute death right now. And that is how I see most people living today. They don't understand that they're relying on other people and their ideas that are illogical. And religion is one of them. If it's not real, if it doesn't exist, then why would you possibly put any onus into it? And then you have to ask yourself, well, why do I even believe in what I believe? Like I ask people that are religious, have you ever seen this creator that you say exists? None of them can because nobody has, because you can't see what doesn't exist. Now, do I say and think that I know everything? Of course not. But what I'm going to rely on what we do know, and it's up to everyone else to prove to me that what they believe in is true, and nobody can because there's no evidence to support any of it. So what I like to rely on is evidence. It's an evidence-based construct of reality. And that is what medicine in its truest form is based on. That's what functional medicine is. It's evidence-rich. The reason that you do anything or don't do anything, because there's, there's two kinds of sins, let's use that term. The sin of commission which means you do things you shouldn't do and you know you do them, but you continue to do them anyway. And then there's the sin of omission, which means you're not doing what you should be doing to be well and functional. You have to come to terms with what you're doing and what you're not doing and why. And then it all comes down to not so much what your purpose is, because you have to assign that, determine what that is yourself. What I am right now and how do I want to live and function on this world while I'm alive? Because I've only got 120 years maximum, and most people die in our country around 80. That's our life expectancy. But our health span is only about 35. So after that, most people take meds, and they suffer needlessly, in my opinion, as opposed to doing the work that could be done to eradicate the disease that many people are experiencing, as well as the depression. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so much in there that that I think is a value, especially the the component in and around, you know, the biggest challenge that people face is avoidance. Because, you know, I think in, in terms of everything that we see today from social media to TV to movies, and, you know, we have so many distractions in our life that allow us to sort of numb out and avoid the reality of our situation. Um, you know, and so many, I mean, so many men that, that I meet, um, you know, physical, fitness and and mental health and all these pieces are really important to them and it's something that they seem to struggle with on a weekly basis and 
you know, and avoidance really is the biggest piece. So I love that you, you know, I love that you really touched on that. Well, well, I don't struggle with my existence. I accept who I am. So the struggle is gone. I also embrace who and what I am. And I actually truly do love myself. I told you I went back to that former state of being six or seven. I truly loved myself. I loved life. I was curious. And that is exactly the state that I live in right now at 59. I exist to project my existence. Mm -hmm. And I don't care what anyone thinks. And if anyone does me wrong, I exile them from my life. I don't care who they are, whether they're family, friends, anybody. If you don't have my best interests in mind, then you have my worst interests in mind. And it's black and white. It's no in between. And I accept no compromise on that level. You're either for me or against me. You know, I'm, one of my great heroes is Spartacus. It is better to die a free man than live as a slave. And so ask yourself this, are you living as a slave? And, and, you know, with the relative perspective of modern living, you know, why do you do what you do? What are the alternatives? You know, get with it, get busy living instead of busy dying. Corey, before we get going, we, we want to ask you a, a bunch of sort of rapid, rapid fire questions. Are, are you cool with that? Absolutely. Awesome. Um, Connor, why don't you kick it off? Sure. Yeah. So uh, what is your favorite part about being a man? My heterosexual capacity and my attraction to females. Mm. And the consequential uh, value and fulfillment and pleasure that I derive from that experience. And what is the biggest challenge about being a man? The stereotype that I'm violent, mm. uh, like if I were to stop and look at a child, uh, a woman pushing a cart, she might assume that I might be violent or have her child's, you know, uh, not have her child's uh, health in mind. So uh, I... When I walk around, there's people that make assumptions of me, and women do this too, as well as men. They make assumptions without getting to know me. Mm -hmm. And I think we really need to understand that whether you're a man or a woman, it's irrelevant. That thing inside of us that we call our consciousness and our being is unique. And that is why when I meet anyone anywhere on this planet, I need to initially engage with them to try and determine whether or not they're violent or charming, or kind, or philosophical. And that is why I talked about sport. You get someone involved in sport, play a game with them, and you'll see every element of their character presented. Hmm. Love it. Who, in your opinion, is the most influential person of all time? Me. Perfect. Awesome. What is the most underrated trait for modern day success? Your own significance. Hmm. Uh, what is one thing that someone should, everyone should experience? World travel. Awesome. Uh, if you were stuck on a desert island, what is the one book you would bring with you? As a Man Thinketh. Very cool. By, by, uh, by Alan. Yeah, great book. Uh, and, then, and then finally, the, 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 the question that I, I can't wait to hear, um, what, do you want your, what, do you want to, what do you want your legacy to be in the world? Well, I don't have or believe in such a, a concept. I'm thought of... Achilles in the movie Troy. And do you remember the scene where his mother is convincing him or trying to not to go to war and fight for the Greeks, but to stay in the waters where she was, where it was quiet and he would find marriage and happiness and children. But his legacy was so important to him that he went to war because they believed in the gods, which I don't. So when I terminate, I no longer exist. I go back to the nothing from which I came. 
So there's, there's no me to be concerned about anything anymore. All that matters right now in my life is what I'm doing in the now, to spend less remorseful time in the past and less anxiety in the future. But right now, what am I doing? And then to rely on the fact that what I'm doing has value and it will affect people's lives. Now, in what way and, and, and how it does that, I can't possibly imagine. So the idea of a legacy to live for something that I will be absolutely incapable of even comprehending after I'm gone is irrelevant the way that it's perceived, I think, conventionally. But I would love to see people benefit in some way by taking my courses and learning about how important it is to be well during their lifetime. Awesome. Corey, what's, what's one thing that you're working on these days that, you, uh, that you're super excited about and you want everyone to know? Well, I'm just finishing up my Encyclopedia of Sports Nutrition, which is very unique and exhaustive. And uh, basically, I wasn't born with an owner's manual of how to live well and stay alive. One of my personal sayings is stay well and live free. So the Encyclopedia of Sports Nutrition, remember that sport is life itself. So life nutrition and how to stay well for life is what everyone needs to understand. You can't apply information you don't know, not in this world, not in this uh, so-called ruined state that we're in. We need to understand the nature of the game, what the rules are, and then, of course, the function of sport is to play according to the rules, not to win, but to score points. And then a winner is declared. So if you're winning, to me, that means you're successful at being well. Awesome. What's, uh, and what's the best way for our community to learn more about you, get a hold of you, say hi, ask any questions? Get to my website, coreyholly.com. It's an institute. And of course, I've got students that enroll in my courses and there's all kinds of free information, hundreds of articles and tutorials that people can access. Awesome. And when does the uh, Cyclopedia of Sports, uh, when, when does that come out? Oh, it's already available. It's online. Just go to my website and look at bookstore. Absolutely. Perfect. Uh, guys, go check out Corey Hawley. Uh, as you can hear, he is a, an absolute fountain of knowledge and energy and excitement and, and just plain value. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Please go to mantalks.com where you can uh, listen to more podcasts. You can read more of our blog posts, uh, find out all the information about all the exciting events we have up. Um, and of course, please subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher or wherever you download your podcast to never miss an episode. Um, also, guys, please, please, please leave us a rating on iTunes. It, it actually goes a long, long way to make sure that the podcast gets into as many ears as possible. It helps us climb those, those charts. Um, thanks so much for listening to the Man Talks podcast. Catch us next week for another interview as we build better men through conversation, connection, and community together. 